0: Inside Vegas is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Inside Vegas podcast, as well as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Use promo code SGP50 to receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Inside Vegas is also brought to you by Odd Shark. Odd Shark has the latest betting trends available nowhere else, as well as betting picks from their supercomputer. Check out all of their quality content and betting trends at oddshark.com. Welcome to another episode of the Inside Vegas podcast with your boy CP. And for this one, I mean, there was, there was really no other way to look at it, how we were going to go with this, with the first Saturday in May upcoming. Uh, so we chose Monique, and Monique has been a veteran of this podcast and, and SGP podcasts, along with so many others. She's been a contributor in the horse racing community uh, with Covers. Um, so many podcasts that I'm sure that you, that you will, you're going to be sick of us, put it that way, of, of, how many times she's going to be giving out her picks and predictions for the Kentucky Derby. Um, but with this niche handicapping kind of mini series and everything that goes along with it, there was no other logical choice. So Monique is going to be, uh, joining the Inside Vegas podcast to talk all things horse racing as kind of a niche market and to kind of get you guys into it, um, from kind of the ground level and how you can start making money betting horses, um, Betting horses has kind of a negative connotation with it that that has carried, you know, degeneracy or these people that are betting, you know, the most random races in the world inside a sports book Monday through Sunday. It really does. But when it's done right and it's handicapped the right way, uh, it's proven to be profitable because Monique has made a very good living betting horses professionally for a very long time and writing about uh, such things. Um, So again, there was no other logical choice to kind of get us uh, into the horse racing niche market. Uh, podcast than her. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And as always please rate subscribe and review on iTunes and now joining me on the inside Vegas podcast the one and only again one of my favorite people that I love to talk to each and every time because it, there's so many unique aspects into what it is that you do and there's nobody better and, and kind of more respected in the world of horse racing and kind of especially the the new wave of social media handicappers and, and kind of people putting out uh, their voices the way that they do um, so again we'd like to welcome on Monique who I'm sure is a absolute veteran um, of this podcast of the SGP podcast and especially with the Kentucky Derby up I'm sure You're going to be hearing so much from her, um, again, in in basically every podcast that they do because she's just that respected in the field. So how are you tonight and how is everything going for you with probably what I would say is kind of your Super Bowl, right? As far as uh, Kentucky Derby, horse racing, handicapping goes?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a a great time of year. Uh, Not my favorite for racing. I much prefer the breeders where you're getting not only three-year-olds for the most part, but you're getting just a huge... The pools are, well... I mean, the pools are great for each race, but that's my favorite time of the year. But you know what? The Kentucky Derby is probably second, in my opinion. But yeah, it's a great time of year. Uh, Playoffs with every other sport, too. So it's been chaotic, but I mean, you can't beat it. For all the downtime you have with sports, when it's so busy, you honestly can't complain.
0: I know, and that's whenever whenever kind of kind of sport goes into a break or anything like that. Like that's when I find myself like once I realize, you know, a sport of a grind of say a football is done, and like that two weeks off is like so great. But then I'm you know clamoring for baseball and stuff like that, and it's funny that you know uh, one of the things that's come up with kind of this new capping series outlook that we've done is. Uh, The difference between people who solely handicap one specific sport, be it golf or be it, you know, UFC or um, whatever it is, you know, only do only doing uh, tennis, either men or women's Um, and some of the most successful people, you know, they specialize in one sport, but they also bet the other. And, you know, common logic would kind of dictate it would be the opposite side that if you, you know, spend all every single minute of the day handicapping you know, your one specific niche sport that it might be, you know, a lot more profitable just because you're spending so much time on it. But one thing, you know, again, and I know this is a little bit directed at kind of who we've talked to and things like that, that they don't only bet one specific sport. But um, do you find that, and again, I know you're a huge NBA fan of, of everything uh, Toronto and, and everything Canada sports, but do you <laughs> find that it helps you um, to kind of what is your thought process on do you find do you think you'd be kind of more successful betting just horses if you only did horses or do you think it kind of helps you to kind of see different markets and how they kind of all blend together and things like that?
1: I think, well, there's obviously pros and cons to both, but it's good to stick to what you know. I always tell people it it doesn't really matter what it is. If you found something that you're successful at, whether it be, you know, like a specific way of handicapping, whether it be props or just anything in general or one specific sport, stick to what you know best. Uh, For me personally, I obviously like to diversify. Um, I think it's good to just not be so... Stuck in on one particular sport. I think it's a lot harder to deal if you're just having like a huge, you know, downswing. I think it's a lot tougher when you're just waiting and hoping that things get better. But if you have other things to keep your mind busy and to keep you sharp, I think that's important. And you know, you can learn so much from different sports, just the handicapping markets, seeing the way the lines move. So you could take what you learn from horse racing, for example, and tie it into NBA betting. Like there's so many different things and aspects and things to bet on that. I think it's good to diversify, but I, I do totally see the point in sticking to what you know and, you know, betting the most of things you feel more, most comfortable with.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? I mean, I think there's tips and tricks that you can learn from a market standpoint um, on kind of every, you know, being experienced, betting every sport. Um, And again, maybe, you know, you put, you know, a 2% stake on on what you specialize in and everything else that you kind of do day to day is a lesser stake. But again, it's just different strokes for different folks. But it's just something that's kind of interested me in doing these series now with this being the... um, fourth installment uh that you know the the connotation was always kind of if you bet one thing and you're very good at it you know there's maybe not a need for it outside of you know what me and you love of being the degenerate tendencies but <laughs> <laughs> um you know the more that we look into it the the more that's coming up that you know betting other sports is, is seem to be seems to be beneficial for for other people and kind of you know just getting experience with different markets and stuff like that but um, so again, the market as a whole, first of all, um, horse racing and, and kind of everything you've done, I'm not going to kind of go into your introduction, everything, because if anyone's listened to this podcast, as I'm, I'm sure they outside of brand new people, you can go back and we've done so much work together and stuff like that. So I don't want to kind of bog, bog this down with your introduction. People absolutely know who you are and, and who you've done in the space and everything like that, or what you've done in the space rather, um, as far as working with covers and you know all these different um, racing promotions and stuff like that. But is there... Um, How do I kind of want to word this? Is there anything that you would kind of, you know, the day one better, the casual better that's going to do, you know, Kentucky Derby, they're going to do the Breeders' Cup, they're going to do the, you know, big market, big uh, ticket items. Is there anything that kind of differentiates that from, you know, the person that's uh, an experienced horse handicapper that is uh, in the sports book kind of every single day? Uh, You know, how how does the public, the influx of, you know, quote unquote, public money differentiate a handicap for you than, you know, finding these small market races that you've done?
1: Well, for days like the Kentucky Derby, when the pools are so big, you're going to get just a huge mix of whether it be the person who handicaps every day and just the public money. Um, In terms of that, like my advice, if I were to give advice on if you, you know, you bet only the bigger days, which I totally see the merit to that. The pools are so big and just you know, my advice to that would be to just rewatch all the races. And, you know, you can learn as much as anyone who sits there and handicaps every day, because the people that are handicapping every day, for the most part, aren't sticking to one track. So they are people that are betting, you know, honestly, pretty much every track and they're betting <laughs> a <sure> lot <laughs> per hour. It is, it, it's honestly crazy. The, the, dic- the tickets I see and the track names I see that I've <laughs> barely even heard of. Um, There's, you know, there's so many different ways to tackle it. Uh, You don't need to be intimidated by it. You can get all your research online. You know, just Google the name of the horse that you're interested in, rewatch past races, um, look at the form. It's very, very simple to read. It's intimidating at first with a bunch of numbers, but once you know what it is you're looking for, it's really actually fairly easy to handicap and develop some type of method to it. Um, It's not something to be intimidated by like the pools are so big and because it is one day and the money that's going in, it's not only sharp money. Like you don't need to feel like you're up against the odds. There's at the end of the day, 20 horses in the Kentucky Derby. And if you want to play it odds wise, you have a one in 20 shot of picking the winner. And then the way you handicap, the way you uh, value outside to inside post positions come into consideration, but it's not something to be super intimidated by or deterred away from, but it's uh, it's interesting. It's a great time of year. And if you want to get into it and want to get a little bit of practice, like now's the time. And I would suggest to just rewatch past races and make mock tickets and stuff like that, where you're not putting your money on the line right away, but you know, you can see how you would have done or, you know, just handicap races that you don't know, just uh, familiarize yourself with tracks and the horses racing and you'll feel a lot more comfortable come Derby day.
0: And to me, this is one of the most uh, kind of interesting things when it comes to horse handicapping is the you know the quote unquote sharp money or the professional money because in talking with risk managers and, and oddsmakers and, and as long as I have you know uh, there's a huge difference of course as you know between someone that's quote unquote sharp and a quote unquote whale in in a field you know kind of you know a little it's this is a little bit different than golf um as ter- you know as far as you know the the industry is you know how open to kind of gambling that they are um, But there is, you know, the owners and and the train, you know, everyone that's involved with these horses, you know, a lot of these families and things have very, very, you know, quote unquote deep pockets for a better uh, term that are betting on, you know, each horse, and you know that will move a a very, you know, we're gonna get into kind of what makes this market unique in a little bit. But how do you kind of go about differentiate, you know, what you deem to be sharp money versus what you deem to be um, just kind of an influx of someone with very deep pockets that's kind of involved in the field? And again, with you know, when you talk about placing such as, you know, overseas in Dubai and and all these places that are, you know, so, so, so wealthy um, when it comes to breeding and, and, you know, kind of working with these horses day in, day out, what can you kind of deem or, or tell people that to, you know, kind of look out for as far as what sharp money actually is?
1: Well, you really want to pay attention to if you don't have any futures tickets locked in or sequential wagers like pick fours or fives locked in. You really want to see what the horse opens up at on the tote board. That's a really good indicator of you know where early money is coming in on and horses that are just completely dead on the board. And you're you're completely right. The money that's coming in early and you know the 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 odds when the odds look suspicious, I guess the best way of putting it when they look like they're not supposed to be the way they are. It's usually for a good reason. Um, there's a lot of insider information that goes on. And I mean, you know, to each their own, Um, a lot of grooms, a lot of people directly involved with the horses. While they don't have the money, a lot of the time you will, they'll know a little bit and the trainers will obviously know best and owners, but, you know, pay attention to the horses, what they open up at, Uh, It's a really good indicator of that. And if a horse is very, very low morning line odds and then you see them bet really high or not bet at all, it's usually for a good reason. And I would, whether or not you want to back that horse or just reevaluate is, I guess, the best way of putting it and try to figure out why it is someone's bet more than they are or not bet conversely at all.
0: Absolutely. And is there, so again, another theme that's come up in between um, these niche markets, a lot of them are one on one instead of, you know, team versus team um, in whatever field that it is. It's just a lot of these these lesser known markets are, you know, person versus person. And again, in this case, it's horse versus horse. And again, and I know this is different because it's horse versus horse times a 20. Um, but yeah. is is there, um, you know, uh, you know, something that always goes into, you know, say, boxing or UFC is styles make fights. And stylistically, how does that play out? In tennis, you know, there's so much that goes into the surface of it. Um, and again, uh, in golf, you know, so much goes into the course and the weather. So I want to kind of get your input into how that goes into kind of your handicapping, be it as, I know this is kind of similar to golf in that you can't handicap the weather outside of, you know, seeing the forecast and seeing, you know, what kind of horse, um, is going to run the best in different conditions. Um, but is there anything that kind of, you know, piques your interest as far as there is, if you see that there's, you know, a forecast for such and such, does that kind of, do you handicap a horse and a jockey to ride a certain way in each type of condition or try? track or anything like that?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, There's a lot to that, what you just said. And you touched on a lot of really great points with that. Yeah. Weather is super, super important. You saw that with American Pharaoh and the slop, like you'll see these things. You'll see a very good thing to do is to look into the pedigree of the horses. And that's super intimidating and a lot to know but if you look into um how well a certain sire which is like the father of the horse how well that horse has done producing offspring running in the slop that's one thing to look into for potentially first-time starters or even horses that maybe when you look at the form haven't actually ran over a um not preferred track, like a sloppy track. Uh, That's one thing to consider. And just the way that they take to the course in itself is something really important to see. Like a lot of the time you'll see, you don't need to be a body language expert or someone that's ridden horses your whole life to see how a horse is taking to it. Uh, A lot of the time they'll be a lot more timid or you can just see the grasp on the footing to see if that's something that they're taking well to. Uh, That's that's one thing to consider. And then when you're trying to handicap a race, uh, for me in particular, when I'm looking through all the horses in each race, I'm creating how I think the race is going to play out. And especially when I'm doing sequential wagers, I'm not going to be taking all of my picks that are going to be front running horses. Uh, stylistically, it's really important to have a mix of those. Um, they say pace makes the race. And I 100% wholeheartedly agree with that. And in the sense that a front running horse that goes to the lead and slows down the fractions enough will have a lot more left in the stretch than two horses that were battling on the front end. So, to take into consideration racing styles of particular horses is really important. Uh, you know, you want to have a horse with a really good shot at winning. If there isn't a lot of speed in the race, taking a horse that's coming from super far back may not be the best potential option, um, also the length and distance of the race and everything, but yeah, things like that, things like how the track is playing out and how you think the particular race is going to play out or all things you should be considering when handicapping and obviously very important.
0: And again, a lot of that stuff goes into, you know, the deeper dive into someone who's as seasoned as yourself. And to kind of bring this, you know, into more of a, a broad, um, spectrum, how would you, or what would you kind of say is, you know, the ground floor day one of somebody that wants to kind of break into horse racing and betting on horse horses that you don't, that they, they don't necessarily want to, you know, quote unquote, find out the hard way and everything like that by just taking, you know, the very, the very short favorites and, and things like that. You know, what is when you were coming up or, or anything, is there anything that, you know, uh, that you wish somebody would have told you from day one is to kind of how to break into this field of of horse racing and handicapping. I mean, I, I always you know I always joke about you. I don't know how you could possibly handicap a four legged animal, but it's something that you've done to <laughs> and you've done with great success. So I've always been you know very envious of of you know how you've been able to do it because it is it's you know there is no bigger rush than you know the major ones that I bet on you know the Derby, the Breeders' Cup, things like that. But what is there is there anything kind of a, a ground floor day one? Somebody says okay, I want to get into this kind of handicapping field. You know what is some. Uh, kind of tips and tricks that you would give them to just kind of get them off on the right foot?
1: Um, That's a very good question. Uh, Like I said before, the odds board will tell you so much. Um, Seeing the way the tote board moves, who opens up early, who's attracting money, who's not is really important. Um, Like I said earlier, looking at how they physically look on the track is really, really important. Um, And I think really just Playing into trends, I think a lot of the time, sit back, watch a couple of races, see who you would have picked, see how well they would have done is really important. You know, you don't want to be too overconfident in one race, um, whereas you don't feel so good in another. So I think there's a lot of merit. And especially once you kind of familiarize yourself with a little bit, if you're looking for bigger prices, bigger payouts, don't be afraid to take a long shot while favors are hitting the board. You know, in the top three, frequently don't be afraid on odds. Odds are really, you know, odds are going to be affected a lot by the opening line. And the opening line is usually set by a person. So there is room for error in that sense. There have been, you know, a lot of places that have adopted the, um, What's the word of it? Like technologically, I guess, technologically advanced way of coming up with a morning line in that way, but there is room for error. So when you're looking at a form, seeing someone at 20 to 1 morning line doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're going to be. So don't be afraid of odds, don't be afraid of posts. And just, you know, your eyes can grasp so much the way you see things, the way you see it, you know, maybe it's just taking a hot jockey, a jockey that's been riding really well, won the last two races, you know, if, if they're just riding really well, it doesn't necessarily mean they're getting the best mounts. It could just be, you know, that they're putting themselves in the best possible situation to win, or it could be that they're the best jockey at the track on that particular day. So I think don't be afraid of playing into trends or, you know, if, it, if a jockey's won two in a row, don't think, Oh, impossible. He's had his quota of the day. You know, there's a lot of things to consider, but I think most importantly, if you're going to be betting them, it's not to be afraid of price horses and to sit back, watch a couple of races, familiarize yourself, and then start small and then place a couple wagers here and there, but odds really don't mean anything.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I had a friend who bet horses out in Vegas for a while and he was always like, look, if push comes to shove and you want a better race, especially in these major races, just look for Bob Baffer, find out who his horses are and, <laughs> you know, you can do a lot worse. Have you ever, um, are you familiar with the Showtime show Billions by any chance Then you said this?
1: I am, but I haven't seen it.
0: There's, there's a, I'm going to put this up on the, um. On the website page uh, for this podcast, there's uh, the main character. The name is Bob uh, Bobby Axarotti, runs a um, like a hedge fund, and he's there's this like dark scene where he's sitting with his lawyer, and he was talking about you know how he got into. There's a lot of parallels between kind of insider trading and the SEC and gambling and stuff like this. It's one of my favorite all time quotes. And they were like, his lawyer was basically asking him, you know, um, how he got into kind of gambling and stuff on the side, and he was gambling on horses. And he was like, I watched the the odds board, um, and it told a story. It always will. This place gave me my first real look at how the world
2: worked I watch people running toward the betting window with high hopes No plan then I watch them walk away from the track ripping up their tickets in disgust That wasn't gonna be me You didn't bet no, I bet I bet but first I figured out Where the sharp action was? where the guys who had a plan were. Guys who grinded, took the guesswork out of it. They knew which drivers had been rested, they knew which horses were ready. They also knew which ones were on last legs. How'd you meet those guys? I didn't at first. But I figured out that they always bet late and they bet heavy. So I started watching that, instead of that the numbers told the story they always do well i started making bets of my own you know the right ones and once i understood what had happened i watched the track to see how it happened
0: and to me like it was one of the things yeah. that it's uh, i'm gonna put this up and i'll send it to you it's one of the the most fascinating quotes and the in the best kind of parallel to to gambling in in tv shows absolutely out there but um Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to, to me, uh, odds tell the story maybe more in horse racing than any other sport. Um, but this is a good kind of transition point into why this market is unique, because as we were talking about kind of off air, that this, there's kind of a new thing with fixed odds, there's futures fixed odds, but this market is fluid in that you could place a bet at eight to one, but when you, and if it wins, you can go and cash your ticket and you're only getting paid out three to one. So my question is kind of, how do you, you know, how is that market unique as to somebody who handicaps this full time? And is there kind of a shift in more fixed odds or anything like that? as you were touching on kind of off air and everything
1: it's tough it's like you're completely right i really like that quote by the way and i'm probably gonna have to check out that show for sure i'll send it to you It's, it's it's
0: one of the best like pure parallels to gambling i've ever seen in the world
1: no, it sounds great. Um, it's tough. It's tough when you know that the odds are are moving. But the advantage when you actually familiarize yourself with an odds board are the odds are moving based on money coming in. So that's one thing you have to consider is that p- the money is coming in and that's how the odds are moving, whether it be up or down. So I think, you know, it's it's really important to pay attention to that. Um, and what exactly were you were you asking? I kind of we were talking Just how there. it's
0: different than how, you know, if you lock in an NFL line at say plus six and a half, oh, you yeah, know yeah. you're going to the window with or yeah. you know you're you're locking in six and a half if you lock in um on, on the um the previous week on the Tuesday and that game's not till the next Sunday. How it's different that, you know, you can't necessarily lock in um, you know, a specific price on one horse or how the market's kind of changing to incorporate more fixed odds and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it's tough and it's obviously disappointing because the odds will change, especially, well, not all the time, but sometimes when they're actually even in the gate or when the race is off, when all the pools combine and you, you get those final odds, it's tough. Um, there's really nothing you can prepare for it. Uh, you can watch and see the way it moves. Um, a lot of sites, for me personally, it's Horseplay Interactive, but they're Canadian. It'll show you where the horse is at certain intervals towards post time, uh, pay attention to that. That's one thing, but it's tough. It's tough to prepare to think that you get five to one on a horse and then you end up getting three to one. There's really nothing you can do. Uh, it's just unfortunate, but fixed odds are something to consider. Um, especially if you like a morning line favorites and you have an option to get fixed odds. Um, sports books are pretty much the only place you can do that at. Um, I think you're a lot less affected by those odd changes if you're handicapping like a sequential wager so like a pick 5. If you're doing one of those because the public isn't aware of the early money coming in on horses and you know for the first leg this isn't true but going deeper into it when you're on the second or third legs all people are really looking at are the morning line odds. So you could have a horse go off at two to one at post time, but still be 20 to one in the morning line odds. So when you're betting a pick four or pick five, you will obviously reap the benefits of that. So that's better for you in that sense that you're not going to be necessarily getting two to one. In fact, you'll probably be getting closer to the 20 to one odds unless there's a huge like discrepancy in morning line odds. But you know, it's, it there's advantages to betting certain types of bets. Um, Obviously that's a little bit more tricky, but you know, if you like a horse in a particular race and you like them a lot, but they're low odds, and you think potentially in a field of twelve horses, anyone can win that, there is a there is huge merit to potentially singling that one horse that you like and taking, you know, maybe the field in a race before that, six others and then five others. And that way you're getting not two to one on the horse, but you're potentially getting like a hundred to one because it's so much more difficult in picking them in a sequential order. But really, it's not really having much handicapping. You're just clicking the all button and taking everyone and hoping for a long shot. But I mean, there's, there's some merit to that. Obviously you can lose a lot of money doing that, but you know, handicapping and betting tickets based on one particular horse, it's great. You know, it's great. You're not getting the two to one that you would necessarily get. You're getting way better odds as long shots hit, but you know who knows and it's 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 a lot of fun obviously
0: is you know these more exotic bets um are they uh, within the horse racing community um are they looked at more as you know how the kind of more informed public, I'll say, you know, kind of use these two, three, four, five leg parlays or teaser opportunities or things like that, or are they something that's kind of taken advantage more if you can hit an exact or you can hit a try or or anything like that, you know, is, I guess my my question to that is, are they looked at more as a sucker bet or is that something that professionals and and people like you that are as seasoned kind of take advantage of being that there's, they're so fluid and that you don't have to hit things exact as long as you can hit kind of the top three in any order, the top four in any order or, or anything like that.
1: There's, well, those bets, they've been around for a long time, but they're coming out with new ones like the, the rainbow one where you're not winning the whole pool, like a rainbow six. You're not winning the whole pool. You're splitting the pool. But if you're the only winner, you win the whole pool. Like these are like the, certain like sucker bets. Those are more them or the one where you pick just the top three finishers. You pick if your horse finishes in the top three in like the whole 10, 10 horse, uh, 10, 10 race card then you split however many other people had it like those are like convoluted bets i'm not a fan of those but i really like like the pick four wager where you could just change the base amount if you feel more comfortable on that you could hypothetically have it 10 20 times so whereas the payout's going to be paid in one dollar you'll have it 10 times that amount um like I was saying earlier, if you like a horse in particular and they do just so happen to be short odds and you think there's going to be long shots along the way. I think there's a lot of merit to singling that one particular horse and then building a pool, uh, picking a lot of others around that horse. Um, it's it's tough. It's it's. Each their own. I know a lot of people that have been really successful just sticking to one race and just doing pure win wagers. But for me in particular, I do like those pick four, pick five, pick six, Um, especially now that you can bet them for literally 20 cents if you bet it completely straight. Um, I'm obviously attracted to those big payouts, and who isn't? Mm -hmm. But now that they're actually a lot cheaper to bet, and you know there's a lot of money put into them and they're so hard to hit that if you're feeling confident about it, take a shot. And, you know, who knows, there are huge payouts, especially come Derby Day.
0: And that brings me to my next point with Derby Day, because it's something I find myself kind of betting a lot more of uh, lately, especially with the Triple Crown events and kind of these uh, more well-known events is the matchups. And so I'm curious to get your kind of perspective on that, because to me, I'm someone who likes to eliminate variance, right? So if I can just handicap yeah. kind of one horse against, you know, one horse or be it one horse against the field to win or, or whatever it is, and maybe parlay some of that or, or kind of get away, you know, navigate the juice as best I can. Are matchups anything that you've ever kind of dug into as, you know, a, a pretty good, uh, you know, a bet or, or anything that's, you know, you've been able to find an edge in, in different ways and things like that? Or, or have you kind of been sticking with, you know, your bread and butter and stuff like that? Because I think that matchups have, they're only been, I, I think that they're only offered for the Triple Crown events and maybe the Breeders' Cups, you know, a couple other things that are more uh, well known and a lot more public money coming in. But to me, matchups has kind of seemed like the way to go. Um, I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I saw matchups for the first time maybe like three years ago, and I thought those were – honestly, I thought it was fascinating. I think I placed a wager on one of those. Uh, The problem is – well, I mean, it's not really a problem. I think you have to pretty much find the one long shot that you think are going to overperform their odds. But then – I think about it and why not just place, you know, a win place show wager on them if they are 60 to one, because what are you really getting minus 120 if you're taking one horse to finish better than another?
0: Yeah, they're lumped in like in between odds. So like if it's like, you know, say there's a plus 400 and the next closest one is, uh, you know, plus 650, those two would be, you know, minus 110 against each other. And it kind of goes like that. Um, but then, you know, and then all the way through down. So say like the three or four. Uh, highest odds horse or in a matchup together, four or five, whatever. But then they have some that are obviously like, um, like Songberg versus the field comes in and you can kind of get a, yeah, a yeah. different price or, you know, stuff like that. Arrowgate versus the field or Arrowgate versus, you know, the seventh ranked horse at, you know, minus 300 or whatever it is. But some books will let you parlay and stuff like that. So that's what I was kind of curious to get your take on.
1: I think that's interesting. I really do. I think, I think if you can stylistically figure out the way a race is gonna be ran, you don't have to figure it out perfectly. But if you think there's gonna be a lot of speed in the race, I do think there's some merit. Or if you think there could be a potential speed duel up front, I think there's a lot of positives to picking a horse that's gonna be a closer. I think a lot of the time, horses are overvalued based on certain things. So you can manipulate the odds in that way. I think I, I like I like matchups. I've only bet them once, I think. And that's because I liked one long shot and I thought one horse was overvalued um, a couple of years ago. I don't even really remember. It was one of those, I think it was like creative cause or somebody completely random. I liked one of those because I thought one horse was just overvalued. But I think, yeah, I think that's great. I, I really do. But I think if you're going for the longer, longer odds horses, and you actually think that they have a shot at potentially winning or potentially coming in the money, I think you're seriously missing out on value. And I think you should just win play show that, to be honest.
0: It's funny. There was, I forget what event it was. The last like matchup that I really went hard on, there was a horse from Dubai who had never seen rain before. Um, and it was whatever the last, um, triple crown event was that there was, um, a ton of rain. And so like, I just, there was like four matchups that involved that horse. And, um, I just played him every single way. Like I round robined it and I think, I don't even <laughs> think he finished. Like he bucked like as soon as he came out of the, the starting gate and it was like the best, it was the best thing in the world. Um, but is there, That's you know- actually
1: really interesting. That's yeah. a good, that's a good angle. Cause you never know how they're going to take to a particular track. Like that's the advantage to North American racing in general is you will see on a past performance line itself. You will more often than not see races that have been ran over a, whether the turf is listed as good or if it's at the uh, dirt is listed as sloppy, you'll more often than not see that type of variance in it. So that's a huge advantage to North American racing. But yeah, you never really know with those horses that are shipped from overseas. You don't know because they're going on huge flights. Like the travel time is grueling and a lot of them are trying out the surface for the first time. And while they're used to the bigger field sizes, it's The track is totally different, plays out completely different, and obviously, like, fatigue sets in.
0: Oh, of course, and again, that, that kind of goes in the stylistically thing, and it was something that I was like, I, I'm either gonna really regret doing this or or what it was, but it, it was 2017 Kentucky Derby thunder snow. That's what it was, es- or Essence Ooh, of Dubai, good one. yeah. Um, and again, like literally uh, just going off the things you told me, like th- this horse had never seen rain. And it was like the muckiest track that was you know in Derby in the you know the last whatever however many years, and that was just one way of something that somebody that knows, you know, I know what horse racing what I've what I've kind of learned from you and, and what we kind of go back and forth with of what. <laughs> you tell me to do and um that's just kind of one way that I've kind of learned to attack and I don't know if that's something that maybe will be kind of evolving within horse racing and more matchups being offered and stuff like that but as they say there's there's more than one ways to skin a cat and you, you don't have to be an expert you just got to kind of again I, I think the overall theme of this niche handicapping series that I've kind of realized is especially when it's you know one it's not a team thing um is it's always going to be stylistically in the surfaces because you only have to handicap one horse or one person. Um, and yeah. that kind of eliminates some variance. So just as kind of an aside for anyone that's looking to get into kind of one person or one <laughs> mammal betting in, in this situation. But <laughs> I want to kind of t- I want to hit on the Kentucky Derby. But before we do that, I want to talk about MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Coming podcast and the Inside Vegas podcast as well. MyBookie.ag has all your up to date odds for it. Kentucky Derby, NBA playoffs, and everything else you could possibly dream of. It's also by Oddshark. Uh, oddshark Oddshark.com, a friend of the podcast, John Oddshark, who does fantastic content and great work over there. Uh, And they also have uh, picks from their supercomputer. Uh, Only available for them. Uh, Oddshark has trends you will not find anywhere else. Uh, So www.oddshark.com. So again, as I touched on before, there's I'm sure you're gonna be four or five, six times a week doing podcasts because you are the absolute person to go for in this field. So I want to get the kind of the first view from what you've kind of see. Um, again, I'm looking at mybookie.ag right now for the Kentucky Derby odds. The favorite right now is Justify at plus 400. Next one is Good Magic plus 750. And again, not to put you in the spot as kind of your first uh you know winner or anything like that. But I want to talk about the the first Sunday, the uh, first Saturday of May is what's going on with the Kentucky Derby and, and kind of what you're seeing is to kind of the biggest race of, of kind of the year.
1: Yeah. It's, I love that the favorite is four to one. That's great. That's a huge relief to see. Um, honestly with American Pharaoh, that was one horse that pretty much everyone that was involved in racing saw and knew that was someone super special. And he just so happened to get, I'm I might get a little hate for this, a really weak crop of three-year-olds he faced up against. So, I mean, I, I took huge advantage of that in terms of futures and betting him on Derby Day itself, but I love that it's so wide open this year and when it is so wide open, I hate to lock in any type of fixed price. Cause especially if you're not someone that's afraid of post positions, which I'm not, I'll pretty much back anyone out of any post position, obviously stylistically, the way they run matters, but When you're looking into all these numbers, like especially closer to the Derby, you'll see all these stats on how well a horse is, how well post 17 has performed and how well post one has performed. But that's really, really hard to consider that in particular because, you know, the horse matters, obviously. So the number is going to be affected a lot based on the quality of horse that's entered. A lot of, most, most of the time, a half the field belongs at least, but there's a lot of the time horses that you know, have no shot and they're entered just so post 17. So that number is going to get skewed in that sense, but there's a lot to look for. I've definitely slacked in my handicapping this year. I think part of that is because I haven't really been following or I've been following, but I haven't really been betting the prep races, which is something that closer to Derby time. I'm going to rewatch all of those. Um, I see what I see which is good is that a lot of people are on a whole bunch of different horses. Like the one I've heard the most about is obviously Justify, Magna Moon and Mendelssohn. I think those are the three I would say standouts. I haven't really heard much about Good Magic, but for me in a wide open field, I'm not taking any less than 8 to 1 and for me to bet it cuz I think it's far too late to be betting on futures. I got to see what the odds are like Derby Day, who's training well, and now that all the prep races are done, honestly, it just comes down to odds for me, and rewatching all the preps and picking from there, but odds are by far the most important, and I'm not taking anything short in a field like this.
0: So I want to break into kind of the Triple Crown of, uh, aspect of it. Is there, um, you know, there's always prop bets of will there be a Triple Crown event, and Professionals, you know, when there isn't that stud horse, um, they're perfectly fine, you know, laying the minus 500 to say no and get 20% ROI, Um, you know, as long as they can kind of spread their action out across however many books will take them. is there that horse this year to you? Um, be it Justify, be it, um, you know, whoever it is, is there any, do you see a Triple Crown event kind of a Triple Crown horse kind of coming out of of this field? Or do you think that, you know, maybe it is, you know, a minus 1,200 and, you know, or minus 1,000, you're only going to get 10% ROI if you're kind of comfortable tying up your money for a little bit like that. Or is that something that you've kind of looked at as, you know, I don't want to say quote unquote bankroll builder because you can get absolutely killed like that. But again, this is this is something <laughs> yeah. when, when there's not that horse, that professionals have been... Notorious for laying, um, and again, this goes back to the the no OT prop uh, in the Super Bowl that you know professionals have been perfectly fine laying the minus one thousand to get the ten percent ROI. Um, you know, for the max across many books, is that you know there's a reason that that prop goes through the roof. Uh, you know, with you know quote unquote reverse line movement every every single year. Um, is there uh, is there that horse this year to you, or or would you kind of again, not that we're advocating anyone lay you know minus a thousand on a no bet, <laughs> but but do you see that that horse coming out of this field this year?
1: No, I don't. And I think if you are potentially interested in placing no for one of those wagers, like is there a Triple Crown winner to place no? I think your best bet to bet that is, you know, hope that the favorite wins the derby and that you'll maybe get minus 400 on it. Or, you know what, maybe even better than that if Justify goes on to win because that's one of the most hyped horses. But I think no, I think it's. There's a reason why American Pharaoh was the Triple Crown winner, and he got so much hype going into it and after it. There are very, very few Triple Crown winners in history, and that's for good reason. It is so difficult to win on such a grueling schedule, and the difference in distances on each race and just the field size of the derby field size of the Belmont and who knows what the Preakness, but it's tough. It's so incredibly, incredibly tough. And you don't know what's going to happen, come out of the Derby or the Preakness. If you win the first two legs, what if you're, you know, what if there's an injury? What if there's an eye infection? What if there's something, so many things you need to consider and so many things that could happen. And even training from one race to another, you never know what's going to happen. So, I mean, I would never take odds like that, but Maybe if Justify wins the Derby, I'll look into no for a Triple Crown winner, but I just think it's so incredibly difficult to have a horse that can win at those three varying distances. Like that is so, so, so hard to do and there is no standout. So it's, it's tough. It's one of those wagers that, you know, you look at them and if you want to say yes, the odds are fantastic, but it's just so unlikely.
0: And again it goes back to what you know what is a sucker bet and what is not and to me you know when there's that horse I think you kind of hear about it, and maybe this year is a little bit unique, or, or maybe the you know the actual kind of answer to this is that the past years have been more unique when there was kind of that horse that was going for it and that was that hyped up. But again, as somebody that knows <laughs> what you tell me about horse racing, uh, there hasn't been that kind of you know build up and and hype. And again, um, do you remember what American Pharaoh was or what he closed at for? I mean, he was a, he was a minus money favorite, right, for when he went off on the uh, last year's Kentucky Derby.
1: He was, he was really low. He was, yeah. what was he at? It, honestly, what was he? I don't know. Um, he was, he was really low and he should have been, cause he was fantastic. Every single race, every single prep race he ran, everything he did drew a good post. Yeah, he was, he was low. And I believe me, if I'm betting a favorite and I'm taking less than three to one in a 20 horse field, that horse must be much the best. And he, he really, really, really was. And honestly, it was kind of never in doubt he won all of those complete incomplete dominant fashion and i think a lot of that is to who he was up against i think but i think he was just the horse of the decade and he was he was absolutely incredible
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And to somebody that's had some of their sickest beats in, in a sports betting world, I'll never forget Arrowgate and Songbird, that the the literal yeah. whisker on his nose that I lost lost a pretty big amount on that yeah. that one. Yeah. Um horse racing, I'll tell you. If you if you've never done it, it is again, there's nothing more exhilarating as a sports better for as little time as these races uh last than than horse racing. And um again, I, the one thing that I want to kind of bring this around to is that I'm asking everyone in this niche uh, series is is legalization and what that will do for their specific market. So I'm interested to hear what your kind of take on it being is that you are um, living in Canada and Canada is and already endorsed legalized sports betting. Um, but what I am interested in is what you think that the US market, um, if everyone, you know, every you know, be it 22 year old or 21 year old college student up to the 50 year old, um, you know, be it semi-wealthy, whatever, um, guy that can go watch, you know, is going to watch these triple crown events, um, is going to do to the market. And, you know, some of these people that, that are involved with these horses have very deep pockets. Um, and so again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, be it, you know, quote unquote whale versus quote unquote sharp money. Um, but if the United States legalizes, and again, I know it's going to go state by state, but if they legalize this, um, um if they legalize what I call inevitable uh gambling in the United States, what do you think that would do to the kind of fluidity of of kind of being able to dump so much money into the horse racing market essentially overnight, you know, be it with the first triple crown event after it's legalized in, you know, be it different states or whatever?
1: Well, I think for one, a lot of people would feel a lot more comfortable. I think it would erase a potential stigma. Well, not erase entirely the stigma, but I feel like if it was more acceptable people would feel a little better about that and I think that you know I think I don't know if the pools would get that much bigger. I don't know if it would attract people that aren't already doing it. I think it could but I think that at the end of the day people are already betting people find ways to bet it's happening. I, I don't see why certain things are not legalized. Obviously, it's state by state. I do understand why it's not, but it's something that's happening regardless. I think you might as well embrace it. Um, I think for horse racing in particular, I don't know how much it would do for that, but I think you know it's, it's important to legalize it. It's happening. Um, I think it's much more important for other sports, but I think for horse racing, it would obviously be really important. And I think for stigma as one thing in general, I think that would really help with that.
0: Is horse racing different to you in any other way? Because, you know, when you talk about, you know, pools and things like that, right. So the NCAA tournament, Term, that's a great word, tournament, <laughs> um, is probably the most notorious for office pools in the world, right? And then after that, I would say maybe the Masters and then uh, the Triple Crown events. So gambling is something that's kind of always gone with horse racing, be it legal or not. And horse racing, you know, especially the Triple Crown events, they have always had, you know, they literally have handicappers on, um, you know, during these Triple Crown events, you know, giving their picks, giving their yeah. their exact boxes and stuff like that. So uh, I think that horse racing, maybe outside of, you know, Skins Golf, and things like that is probably the most far along. And again, I know that this is a little bit different in that there's not one, you know, with with golf, it's the PGA Tour, right? With tennis, it's um, ATP, WTA, whatever it is for men and women's. Um, But there's not one specific governing association or body that does all of horse racing. So um, being that the stigma is, you know, I would say the furthest lifted, maybe outside, again, of, of Skins Golf and everything like that, Um, They seem, you know, like it would be the most kind of open to it. Um, Do you kind of get that feeling that they would kind of welcome it with welcome welcome arms as for all the reasons that you just touched on as well?
1: I do. I think, yeah, I think that people, for the most part, horse racing are one of those things that come alive during maybe two parts of the year. People are all, Most people are interested in the Kentucky Derby and then from there on out maybe the Breeders or the Pegasus, which is something newer that they started, which I'm not a huge fan of. But I mean, you'll be attracted to it based on the purse money, and then I guess the amount of money that goes into it. But I think that because it's only bet so heavily during particular times of the year, I think it's something that would be a lot more easier to, or sorry, not a lot more, would be a lot easier to legalize, I guess. I think it is very far along. I think we're close. Um, Obviously, state by state, it's tough in that sense, and stuff to get everyone on board. But I think, yeah, I think it's inevitable that sports betting is going to be legalized everywhere. And I think it's just a matter of time. Um, There's obviously ways to bet and get around that, but I think it's, yeah, it's just a matter of time.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. And again, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on and kind of giving people a first look into the Kentucky Derby that is upcoming um and again to try to get their feet wet into all things horse racing again i'm here to tell you from firsthand experience what what, no matter the the amount that you're betting there is there's nothing kind of like a horse race in in the atmosphere and you know much like the super bowl the triple crown events have such a party atmosphere and it is such a good time and you know again these long shot horses come in all the time so you know spread spread it around a little bit and and um you're going to have a, an absolute blast kind of, you know, if you, if you do nothing else except to look at the attire and look at the hats and everything else, you're going to have a great time <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with what you bet. So I want to give you an opportunity. I want you to plug everything you have going on. Cause again, I know this is kind of your busiest time. on with the triple crown events upcoming and everything like that. So where can people find your work, your Twitter, everything go.
1: Yeah. You can find my stuff on uh, covers.com or America's best racing. And then on Twitter at parlay queen.
0: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. And um, again, I'm sure you're going to hear from for every podcast you have downloaded, every time the Kentucky Derby <laughs> season comes, she's going to be on it. And that's that's no different than uh, what will be coming. I'm sure with uh, with SGP, and I'm sure Sean and Ryan will have her on. as uh, at least ask for her, her on as a guest. So again, thank you so much. And I, I hope you enjoy the interview and kind of get your feet wet into uh, the niche market that is horse racing. Because I'm I'm here to tell you, she's done a great job with it. Um, and has been very profitable. So again, if if you're going to get into the field, please check her her workout at uh all the stuff that she just mentioned above because. It it is absolutely top-notch. So again, thank you so much. Um, As always, rate, subscribe, uh, and leave a review for iTunes for Inside Vegas on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network.